Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Fat Boys, Houdini, Run DMC, and I want to say UTFO. Got a chance to see the Jackson State Tigers, Coach Prime, not blown away by what I saw. To me, it's the best division in football, period. Nothing's given, everything's iron. He was just a guy out there. I mean, I did look for him. He dropped balls. Every team from top to bottom can beat each other. This is just for amusement. No one is calling anyone a real dummy. Chose them streets over millions of dollars. Citizens don't need hand grenades and grenade launchers and like that. Let the streets do what the streets do. You go ball out and make your money and live happily ever after. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh! Mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to be back with you. It's been a minute. But I'm glad you're here. If this is your first time, welcome aboard. And we hope to become a part of your podcast menu. So you kind of mix us in with the other podcasts that you listen to. We hope you listen to a lot of them because it's a great medium. It really is. Nonetheless, if you are new or if you're returning and you don't remember, and I like to remind you guys each time out, we have several ways for you to be interactive. First and foremost, I want you guys to go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions.com. Learn a little bit about me and listen to all the past episodes and just check us out. Just see all the things that are going on and some of the people that you hear from on the podcast. In addition to that, we have a 24-hour-a-day sports line. That means you can call me 24 hours a day and leave a message. I won't answer but you can leave a message and your comments and your feedback could be on the very next podcast. So again, that number is 832-941-6614. That's 832-941-6614. Leave a message, a question, a comment, a request, any of those things. We certainly love hearing from you guys. And finally, you can interact with us on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group and the fan page. You can like the page and be a part of the group. You won't regret it. You'll enjoy those interactions and you'll enjoy the post that the members of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page, all the feedback and all the information they put out there, you'll appreciate that. So we're caught up there. Also on Twitter, you can follow me at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D. So that's all of the business that's out of the way. Now let's get to... A couple of things. Been a minute since I've come to you guys. Of course, we had Thanksgiving. I wrapped up the Texas Southern football season. Grueling nine-week stretch in which uh, I had an opportunity to go to Jackson. And I'll talk a little bit about that a little bit later on with Charles Bishop. And he's coming up on the show, by the way. Charles Bishop is coming up. And, of course, our guy, Terrence Harris, King T. And we have a late entry for... uh, 
Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. We hear from our resident DJ, our sponsors, all that good stuff. So all that's happening. But I haven't been here for a while. I went to Montgomery, Alabama. We had Alabama A&M at home. It's just been a busy time, holidays and all of that good stuff. But I am recalibrated, and I'll be back on the regular. So thank you so much for all of those who reached out to me. No, hey, just a... Just a temporary uh, hiatus. We uh, not unintentional, really. I wasn't gonna do something on Thanksgiving, and just so much has been going on. It almost again it compels me to do more episodes and really a daily sort of thing. And we're working on ways we can make something like that happen. And I certainly would appreciate your feedback on how many times would you like to hear the podcast a week. Would you like to check in every day, every other day? Let me know. And again, you can do so, 832-941-6614. But here is the big story. Now, there are a number of big stories in the world of sports, and we'll get to those in just a second. But the big podcast story, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, one of the guys has been the absolute uh, absolute regular. Probably, I know I've had him on more than anybody else. He was on with me weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker. You affectionately know him as our European sports nerd. Well, I get to Montgomery to cover Texas Southern versus Alabama State for KTSU to broadcast that game back to, well, not just back to Houston, but all over the world for folks who love and support Texas Southern University or just HBCU football. So I went there to do that, and I started hearing people coming up to me, hey, your guy, Eddie Robinson, is going to be the next head coach of Alabama State. And I'm like, couldn't be. Just talk to him. I talk to this guy every week. Couldn't be. And sure enough, I said, well, wait a minute. Let me call Eddie. So Saturday night, I called him. And I'm like, yo, I'm hearing this. I don't believe it because you and I conversed. You would have said something to me about this. I would have had a heads up in some sort of way. I said, and I know you're not interested in coaching because you like to bike. And there are no great bike trails in Alabama. He said, hey, you can always find great biking trails so or something to that effect. And that's when I knew. I said, my boy is going to Alabama. And uh, he's that's his alma mater. He's a mighty hornet. He's reminded us of this many times on the podcast. Proud of his Alabama State roots. Proud of his swag roots. Proud of uh, the university. He's a, a good, good guy. And I'm excited that he is the head coach at Alabama State. So we all have to collectively root for him. And what I want to do is I want to visit with him one more time while we can. Obviously, as a head coach of a a SWAC program, you have he has coaches to hire. He has alumni to woo. He has to stir up the fan base. He has to recruit. He has to do all of those things, get ready to coach a football team in the spring. It's so much he has to do. So, unfortunately, he probably won't be with us very much at all because he's doing his thing. But I'm excited about that. And so what I want to do is if you guys have comments, if you have thank yous, give us a call. Leave a message for Eddie. Let's root Eddie on as the next head coach of the Alabama State Hornets. I'm so happy for my guy. You know what I mean? He's He's been with me week in and week out. He and Terrence and, um, of course, Biscuit and a number of folks, Kalina, and Kevin Allen, a bunch of folks have been a part of it, but no, more, no one more than Eddie Robinson. He's been a part of it. So I'm excited to hear that news. 
That and then I've talked to him since then, and he is. Uh, I mean, hey, he's the same guy. He's even killed. He wasn't jumping up. He's like, "What? Can you believe it?" But from uh, and I, I read excerpts from the press conference. People were really excited about his comments, and he really rallied the troops. And I think he's going to do a great job. And uh, I'll be rooting for him most Saturdays, of course, not when he plays Texas Southern. But other than that, uh, we'll root for for Eddie to do his thing. So if you want to congratulate him, if you want to thank him for being a part of this podcast. Give him a call. 832. Well, give us a comment by calling 832-941-6614. Not going to give out Eddie's number. But if you want to leave a message for Eddie where he can hear it, just give us a call and leave a message. 832-941-6614. So, with that, let's get into some headlines. In headlines, there's so much going on. So much has gone on since last time I've come to you. But on my radar, NFL stuff is just the NFL. We just don't know what we know about the NFL. Do you have a Super Bowl favorite now? I mean, if you do, is it the same Super Bowl favorite you had in September and August? I don't think so. It changes week to week. And what it looks like we've done, we wrote off New England way too soon underestimated Mac Jones, underestimated Bill Belichick, underestimated what they were going to be able to do. They're in the thick of things, and they're balling out. And they beat a team in Tennessee, which everybody's making a huge deal out of beating Tennessee. But Tennessee didn't have A.J. Brown. Tennessee didn't have Julio Jones. Tennessee does not have Derrick Henry for the remainder of the season. So it's not like you just beat the team that really got off to such a great start that you thought – this team is a Super Bowl favorite. You beat the team, a quality team, and you did your thing. But I don't think that that's indicative of really being a Super Bowl team. So we'll have to see. Kansas City struggled. I think a lot of people wrote them off too soon. They're right back in the thick of things. Are we underrating the Las Vegas Raiders? All the tumultuous times, uh, all the stuff that they've gone through uh, with coaching and the coaching changes and Gruden and Henry Ruggs, and yet this team is still doing what they do. They're balling out. They won on Thanksgiving. So we can't write them off. I think we were too soon, uh, premature in our praise of the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. They've fallen back down to earth. Buffalo's kind of just stumbling through the season, not looking as impressive as we thought. We thought the next – well, a lot of folks thought the next progression for Josh Allen was going to be like, oh, he was just going to be MVP caliber. And that team just hadn't performed to that level. Although, again, all of these teams are still in the mix. Now, the one thing, uh, another team, I think Cleveland is another team. Everybody was on too early, too soon, too much. We'll have to, we talked to Terrence Harris about uh, his Browns. Uh, but the Steelers, Steelers, you know, I'm reluctant to write them off, although Big Ben, Ben Roethlisberger, looked so horrible on Sunday that you think, okay, now, nah, this, this dude is really done. Like, I'm ready to say he's done. He's, he's over with. He's done. But you can't write them off because if you do, they can reel off four or five straight. You don't know how they do it. I can't tell you that they're going to do it. But you just know that come December, January, they round into a very formidable folk. 
Now, not so much last year because they got off to the 11-0 start. But they're a very formidable foe this time of year. They're going to run the ball with Najee Harris. I cannot believe. Maybe Big Ben will look continue to look like this. I don't believe that he will. So I don't think that they're just over yet. As far as getting into the playoffs, not making noise in the playoffs, but maybe not yet. I, I'm I'm tempted, like everybody else, to write them off. Not sure about that. Dallas Cowboys. What do you do with Dallas Cowboys? What do you do with a team? You have Amari Cooper out a couple of weeks with COVID. That's another story that no one ever talks about now, but it's really, really important, and it is playing into the results on the field. COVID. COVID is still here. You have guys that have missed games, Aaron Rodgers, and now you have coaches, McCarthy and six or seven coaches. You, Like I said, Amari Cooper missed a couple games. He'll be back versus the Saints. I wasn't sure that he would be, but that's a big issue. But you look at the Cowboys, you think, man, they got it figured out. And, of course, being a Houstonian, I always root against them. But you think, man, they, they have it figured out. And then they lay eggs. So I don't know what to, to make of them. I don't know what to make of Green Bay. I don't know what to make of a, a number of teams. Seattle is the biggest disappointment because it looks like it really is the end for Russell Wilson in Seattle. And that's tough because he gave me a reason to root for that team. I mean, I really have been rooting for Seattle for some years. That defense, it was, I mean, I just, I love the energy of the fan base. I like rooting for Seattle, but he's come back from that having that pin in his finger, and he just hadn't looked right. He probably shouldn't have came back so soon. He came back after four weeks. Probably should have sat out a couple more weeks, but they look horrible, and they look done. They're done. But for other teams, who knows? You have something like, um, I think, 15 teams in the NFC that are in play, and then the AFC, I think you got uh, – no, I think it's 15 in the AFC. I think 11 in the NFC. I think that's right. I may be mixed. Only a handful of teams that are just out of it. You say that Jacksonville, the Jets, the Texans, those teams are, are totally out of it. But a lot of teams you wouldn't think, especially with the expanded playoffs, have an opportunity to still make a run with five weeks left at the playoffs. So we'll have to see how that goes. College football is reaching a crescendo with all the championship games, you had Big 12, Baylor, Oklahoma State rematch. You have some coaching changes, which is just, uh, it's always disappointing the way these guys leave the kids. And nobody's totally naive at this point. I mean, I think by the time you reach your junior year of high school, football is much more of a business, even for kids, amateurs. It's much more of a business. It's much more business-oriented than this just pure love of the game sort of thing, which exists. Those things can mutually exist. But guys, they know what the game is, and they know that coaches are going to bail from time to time. And it just it sucks when you believe in a guy and say, hey, I want to play for him. He sat in my living room. He talked to my grandma. He ate dinner with us, and he said he was going to look out for me. And then he gets a deal from LSU, Brian Kelly, and just bails on his team in a two-minute meeting. And now I talk to some people, well, there's no way, good way to say goodbye. Well, there's better ways than two minutes. Say, I'm out, peace. Good thing is players can enter the portal and they can leave too. We saw it in Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley going to USC. (sighs) Maybe, maybe that'll work out. You know, Pac-12 football's been irrelevant outside of what, Oregon? 
And even then, still, you know, it, Big Big Twelve or uh, Pac Twelve has just not been relevant for a long, long time. We'll have to see what happens with that. But the biggest coaching change for me is my boy Eddie Robinson getting the Alabama State job. Baseball, MLB locked out the players. And let me say this: I want to say this really, really clearly. It amazes me. It amazes me that when these labor disputes occur. Fans jump on the players. I'm just shocked. You guys do not side with labor. What is wrong with you? Look at a guy saying, oh, he makes $25 million in a year. Why does he, you know, why didn't he concede and give in to the owners? You know, there's this mentality that I don't understand where it has come from over the past, what, 30, 40 years that someday you're going to be the owner. So you side with the owner. You're sympathetic to the owner because, well, one day when I become owner, I'm going to need, you know, a workforce that I can negotiate with or I can deal with so I can make the maximum amount of profit. Everybody thinks they're going to be an owner. 99% of you will never be an owner. So you need to side with labor because I guarantee you this, and I said this time and time again, if all of those guys play for $15 an hour, guess what? The price of beer would still be what it is. The price of PSLs would still be what it is. The direct ticket will would still cost as much as it does. Parking, a nine dollar hot dog. If that, if you can even get a hot dog for nine dollars, twelve dollar beer, whatever they're charging, wouldn't be any cheaper if those guys play for next to nothing. So what I always say is, think about it like this: There's a pie. There's a big, big, big-ass pie, Major League Baseball pie. These guys are arguing over who gets what amount of the pie. Now, do you believe that guys who will break arms and break ankles and get hurt and nicked up and injured and have faced physical harm because of a, you know, any sport is grueling? But, you know, guys get hit by pitches. They have collisions. They have, you know, torn muscles. And all sorts of things happen when they put their bodies on the line. Should they get a big piece of the pie, as big a piece as they can? Or should a guy who is exploiting all of that, should he get just about all of the pie? We need to understand across America, 99.9% of us will never be the owner. You'll never be the guy. So stop siding with the owners. Support the players. And the owners count on that. They count on you hating the players for not playing. Because after all, you would play for $25 million. Well, not if you knew that the owner was making a billion dollars off of you. And <laughs> there's only 27 guys, a 40-man roster, but on 27 guys getting paid, paid. Come on, man. We have to get away from that. Stop supporting the owners. You're not going to be an owner. Collectively, think about this. On your job, if you guys united for better situations, I'm not saying, you know, everybody's going to have a 20-hour a work week. I'm not saying any of those things. But there is strength in numbers. I mean, Who knew that I was going to talk about being pro-union on a podcast, a sports podcast, no less. But again, collectively, they are bargaining for the best deal that they can get where everybody can win. I don't know how this is going to go. All I know is I still want Carlos Correa, 
back in the Astros uniform, and that's looking less and less likely every single day. Do have uh, we do have Justin Verlander coming back to Houston, although the deal is agreed upon, it has not been signed. So with that, going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the SWAG Championship. This is going to be an awesome weekend for the SWAG. Jackson State going to have fifty-five to 60,000 folks in the stands. Prairie View will go down there. It's going to be a great weekend. We talked to a guy who knows all about Jackson State and the SWAG. Charles Bishop on the other side. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anyway, you get your podcast. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages six weeks to five years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome back to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. A lot to get into, including a Award. We'll see here from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and a whole lot more. I want to get into uh, Cincinnati versus U of H, and we can talk a little bit about Georgia, Alabama, and a couple of things we may touch on throughout. But want to get into a conversation with a guy who worked uh, in uh, in the booth with us, with Chatterbox and I, uh, covering Texas Southern sports for two, three, two or three seasons. But he's a Jackson State alum. And, of course, he had an opportunity to go back and contribute and do some media stuff in a huge pregame show. He's been a part of the HBCU Lab with Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, where they talk about HBCU sports. They do a tremendous job. Even before everything blew up and all of this excitement that is currently surrounding the swag, before all of that happened, those guys were in the trenches doing their thing with the CIAA and SIAC, schools that I never even really heard a lot about. They know all about them, and they've worked to know all about those guys. So who better to turn to than a guy who has a great relationship, working relationship with Deion Sanders, Coach Prime in Jackson State. He's uh, He fly, flies out every weekend to cover Jackson State football, does a great job talking about a guy named Charles Bishop. He was on the show before, and I think something happened, and I don't know that that, that show aired, or that episode aired. Something happened. It may have been COVID. Something happened, but we had talked to him, and we didn't get an opportunity to run that interview, but we did have a conversation, and here is that conversation with Charles Bishop. Hey. 
As promised, our guy Charles Bishop. Let me tell you about uh, Mr. Bishop. He was with our team. He was uh, covering Texas Southern football for two or three years, did some great work with us, and then he entered the, the transfer portal and went to Jackson <laughs> State. And so he went back to his alma mater and is doing some great work down in Jackson. He's there now getting geared up for the SWAG championship. First and foremost, tell me about the, the energy around the city of Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, it's phenomenal. I, I talked to one of my uh, friends with the Jackson uh, Convention Bureau today, and they uh, were just smiling from ear to ear. You're talking about the hotels are already booked. The restaurants are packed. Uh, it's really a palpable energy around the city. Uh, when I flew over today, it was a plane full of Jackson State alumni, Prairie View alumni. Flight attendant had uh, quite a bit of fun with it in terms of uh, let me hear my Jackson State fans, let me hear my Prairie View fans. So it's going to be really a historic weekend, a fun weekend. And you talk about this SWAC championship game that has gone on now for 19, uh, since 1999. This is the first time that Jackson, Mississippi, the quintessential SWAC city, is going to be hosting this championship game. Well, and I've been around the SWAC long enough to remember. People think that the, this is the, the unprecedented. But back in the 90s, and I don't even right. know about the 70s, but back in the 90s, they were getting 50,000, 55,000 in Veterans Memorial when you played a Southern and when you played some of the, those huge games talk a little bit about that because again a lot of people think this has never happened before but for those who are not familiar with the jacks the history of the jackson state program talk a little bit about that yeah this is really a a, a community that rallies around jackson state football uh, and especially when jackson state football is up and running and really humming but you know when you really take a look at it Devin, and you kind of take a look around the south uh, the African-American community has really galvanized itself around this Jackson State football program, and it's different. It's unique. Uh, when you take a look at that, maybe the African-American community in, in Texas, you know, uh, Texas Southern uh, uh, is going to they're going to pull fans from University of Texas, University of Houston, Texas A&M. That's going to pull away from that Texas Southern Prairie View fan base. Same thing happens with Southern and Grambling. Uh, LSU is going to pull fans from, you know, that Southern and Grambling fan base. And definitely when you take a look at the state of Alabama and Georgia, you know, the, Afri the African-American fan base gets pulled away from Alabama State, gets pulled away from Tuskegee by Alabama and Auburn. But Jackson and, and Jackson State, it's a little different in the state of Mississippi. The African-American fan base has not been really uh, splintered away by Ole Miss or Mississippi State. So you still have just a huge, huge fan base of Jackson State supporters. Yeah, and again, this uh, a rich history. You talk about what three, uh, three or four Hall of Famers. You got Robert Brazil, uh, Walter Payton, Jackie Slater. Uh, am I missing somebody? Who, am I missing a Hall of Famer? I know that's three right there, but I mean, just a Lim Lim Barnes. Yeah. So again, mm -hmm. four Hall of Famers. I mean, this is a story football program. Now you've had the unique uh, ability to connect with uh, Coach Prime, uh, Deion Sanders. Talk a little bit about uh, how all of that occurred and what is it like to work with him week in and week out and I know there was a hiatus when he was uh, recovering from you know whatever was going on with his health uh, but talk a little bit about that uh, first and foremost um, I think a lot of people have asked about you know his coaching prowess and number one he's a, a master motivator but his attention to detail is second to none uh, sitting around coach prime in film room it is it's just like a TED talk I mean, the things that he catches and picks up 
uh, in film is is it's amazing to really sit back and watch. And the way that this staff as a whole, they are able to uh, really take away team strengths and highlight their weaknesses, I think has been really uh, something that has really jumped out to me. But, I mean, Coach Brown, he picks up on everything. I mean, it is uh, really phenomenal to sit back and watch him work uh, in the film room and, and and him to be a part of the schematics on the defensive side of the ball, schematics on the offensive side of the ball. But he is really a coach's coach. And then, you know, when you're talking about a, a master motivator, uh, you know, I don't even play. I don't put pads on, but I'm ready to run through a wall for him, you know, after hearing him and, and things of that nature. So it is really a unique uh, something when you have both of these elements coming together. When you talk about him and his evolution in these 11, 12 months, however long it's been, uh, you know, when you talk about doing the spring season and all that, how much do you think he's learned about the HBCU coaching and specifically about Jackson State? Uh, I think he's very well aware uh, of, of the HBCU culture in Jackson State. Uh, and he'll tell you in a heartbeat, he did not come to Jackson State without knowing the full and rich history of Jackson State football. He was very well aware. He is steeped in the history. He knows about the history. And he is well aware of the sort of program Jackson State had. And that's what made the job attractive to him. From that standpoint, he is very well aware, very reverent of the SWAC history. I think you heard him last week when he uh, heard he was a finalist for the Eddie Robinson Award. He was at a loss for words because he knows the impact Eddie Robinson had on not just HBCU football, but college football in general. So he is he, he is very uh, aware and very, uh, very reverent of the history of, of black college football. Well, you've been around a number of coaches, and I've, I mean, obviously I know what it's like. Each coach and each relationship with each coach is different. What is it like to have to work with him being a member of the media? Uh, you know, he's phenomenal. I mean, it, he really understands everything in terms of what it is you're looking for. And week in, week out, when we're on these uh, swag media calls, it's almost as though he can't wait to get on them. I mean, whatever question is put out in front of him, uh, he really goes in-depth uh, in terms of providing an answer that, you know, not only the media to, uh, needs for whatever periodical they're putting out, but the fans that the fans want to hear. So coming from that side of the ball, uh, being we're very well aware of, of what the media needs, what the media wants. He is very well, well aware. So it's almost like a baseball player. He's really a five two player. When you talk about uh, the, 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 the film room, the motivation, uh, understanding the media uh, part of it, he really gets all of it. And that's what I think has made him so successful and has really endeared him to this Jackson, Mississippi community. Now, he was out for a number of games and I'm, obviously he was still involved, but he wasn't there physically. He was in the hospital for a, a large portion of that period. What did that hiatus do for the team without him? Because, again, the, the assistants, they really stepped up for them. And uh, I mean, they really got them through what could have been a difficult stretch uh, for the team. Talk about what that did for the team. Yeah, I can't say enough about Coach uh, Gary Harrell, Coach Flea, uh, as he is affectionately known. But he really kept the ship afloat uh, while Coach Prime was out. And Coach Prime has talked about it. You know, he was out. He was he was sick. He was um, uh, really uh, unable to do the things that he wanted to do with this football team. But he stayed in constant contact with Coach Harrell uh, in terms of things that needed to be done, thought, things that he saw in film. And Coach Gary Harrell, he, he really – put his arms around this team and the guys really galvanized around him. And, you know, some of it, 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 it as you well know, uh, Devin, uh, it's about the trust factor. And these players really rallied around Coach Flea and they trusted 
uh, that he continued to carry out the process of what Coach Brown wanted. Well, of course, uh, Texas Southern traveled there, so I had a chance to call a game in Veterans Memorial again for the first time in a while. Uh, mm-hmm. Of course, I'd done that back in the 90s, or in the early 2000s as well. But uh, the, it, what struck me is while Shadour Sanders gets a lot of the attention, I thought the receiving core was really amazing, and I thought that they really helped him out of a jam, out of jams. He uh, obviously used some of his athleticism to get out of the pocket and extend plays, but I thought those receivers, Weidman and company, they did a really great job of, of really assisting him. Talk a little bit about the offensive side of the football for Jackson. I would say that the receiving core is probably the deepest part of the team, and you're talking about, uh, at least five receivers with 20 catches or more. Uh, when you're talking about Keith Corbin, uh, who really works the middle of the field, he's really the quintessential slot receiver uh, who really gives you uh, safety's matchup issues. Malachi Weidman is 6'4". Um, uh, Shane Hooks is 6'5". Uh, I believe Shane Hooks was actually injured that game uh, against Texas Southern. But these are guys who are deep threats. And when you're talking about 50-50 balls, they really become 70-30 balls because these both of these guys, they really go up and get it. And then you're talking about other slot backs that, that the Jackson State has been able to utilize in terms of Warren Newman. Uh, Warren Newman has been a tremendous uh, safety blanket, if you will, for Shador Sanders. But uh, the receiving core, I can't say enough about them. They really have given secondary spits all across the season. And when a, when a play has needed to be made, they have really uh, gone above and beyond to make plays. What about the run game? Uh, we saw uh, Pickett do uh, do some things against uh, the Texas Southern Tigers. Uh, talk a little bit about what kind of production you've been getting out of the backfield all season long. I think they would like more production, quite honestly, out of the uh, out of the backfield. Uh, it has not been up to Coach Prime's standards. He'll tell you that in a heartbeat. I think Jackson State is twelfth in the conference in rushing, but they have guys who are capable and they have guys uh, in terms of Peyton Pickett, J.D. Martin, who've rushed for over 100 yards. But uh, it has not been uh, to the consistency that I think that uh, the fans have wanted and no doubt Coach Prime has wanted. But I I think, you know, when you take a look at this SWAC championship game, uh, taking on Prairie View, uh, this coaching staff has had two weeks to prepare for Prairie View. And I think that's going to go a long way because the last time Jackson State had two weeks to prepare for a football team, uh, it was against Alabama A&M, and they put up 61 points. Yeah, that was uh, that was a very interesting uh, matchup because of of the banter going back and forth with with Maynard and and you know all of the stuff that went into it uh, for them to decimate uh, the Bulldogs like they did. Man, it was uh, it was really really something to see. You talk a little bit about common opponents. The one opponent I, I want to get your take on is Mississippi Valley State because mm. they beat Prairie View, but Prairie View obviously had nothing really to play for. If I'm a Prairie mm. View fan, I would have wanted them to win that game going into the championship, but they didn't need to to win. But they also gave Jackson State fits and Alcorn. I mean, talk a little bit about that, that matchup, that common opponent. I mean, first and foremost, Mississippi Valley is a very – very dangerous team to play against. They are scrappy. They are young. They play hard. Coach Ben Stancy has that team up to play week in, week out. And you're going to have to play four quarters against Mississippi Valley. Uh, this was the first year that they've won four games since 2012. And you could see the talent upgrade uh, that has happened with Mississippi Valley. They gave Prairie View fits. The defensive line really got after them. And, and then the thing that really jumps out about you with Mississippi Valley is their secondary. I think they're tied 
with Florida A&M uh, for the most interceptions in conference play. So this Mississippi Valley State team, they are very tough. They played Jackson State extremely tough uh, there in Itabina and gave them fits for all four quarters. Jackson State was uh, lucky enough to to make a, a few more plays in Mississippi Valley and take advantage uh, of a turnover that turned into a touchdown. But I, I tell you, I can't say enough about Vince Danzi and the job that he's done at Mississippi Valley State. Uh, he has that team prepared week in, week out, and Prairie View got a chance to see it up close last week. I guess essentially the question is, what were they able to do that other teams like Alabama and A&M uh, weren't able to do? What What did they do that was so effective that maybe Prairie View may try to, uh, uh, you know, adopt? Mississippi Valley ran the football. They ran the football very well against Jackson State. Caleb Johnson, I believe, was the first running back to go over 100 yards on Jackson State uh, this uh, this season. Uh, that was followed by Ladarius Owens, of course, with Texas Southern. But again, it was the same thing last week. Valley ran the football right at uh, Prairie View. And they are a very tough football club that, that really runs the ball very hard in between the tackles. I believe Caleb Johnson had over 40 attempts in terms of rushing the ball last week against Prairie View. And it was that same thing against Jackson State. They just kept pounding the rock, pounding the rock. Like I said, Jackson State was very fortunate to, to make one more play than, than uh, Mississippi Valley in that game. But I tell you, Mississippi Valley, they are a rugged offensive football team. Offensive line really comes downhill. And Caleb Johnson is one of the tougher running backs to bring down in the league. Well, I tell you what, you have Jawan Pass to deal with. Uh, the Jackson State defense does. Talk a little bit about the the Tiger defense and, and what they'll have to do against a guy like Jawan Pass and and some of those speedy receivers of Prairie review. I think everything uh, with Jackson State's defense, they are the number five defense in the nation for a reason, and it all starts uh, with uh, Dennis Thomas in terms of uh, what he wants to do uh, from initially is stop the run. Uh, when he stops, when Jackson State is able to stop the run, then their prowess really comes at you in terms of coming after the quarterback. Uh, they lead the nation in sacks. I believe they have 47 sacks uh, thus far uh, on the season, but they really get after the quarterback. And it all starts with stopping the run. You stop the run, they're able to pin their ears back. And James Houston has 14 and a half sacks thus far on the season. Uh, he is as close to unblockable as any defensive end in the history of Jackson State football. I don't say that lightly. James Houston is closing in on the all-time sack record uh, for Jackson State football. He is somebody who really comes off the edge, really pins down the offensive tackle, and they get great uh, penetration uh, up the middle with Antoine Owens, who also has five and a half sacks on the season, Devin. So this defense really comes after you, and they have depth. They come after you in waves. So, you know, you might move the ball a little bit, but Jackson State has been, I think, the best in the league at keeping teams out of the end zone. The only team that has scored 21 points on them has been Texas Southern. Yeah, went into the fourth quarter, tied at 21, and then, of course, uh, uh, the Tigers turn over the football. Well, the TSU Tigers turn over the football. Then, then things sort of spiraled out of control in that fourth quarter. But, yeah, uh, and, and, again, it was a, a really interesting game, and I thought – for a while, I'm like, this may be our day, uh, but the TSU Tigers have had problems closing out games all season long, and uh, that was really one of the first examples of, man, you're in the game and then you're not able to close it out. So let's get to predictions. Let's kind of tell me how you think the game will go and then give me a, a final score. Well, I think Coach uh, T.C. Taylor, offense coordinator for Jack State, uh, he wants to establish the running game, uh, but he's not afraid – 
uh, to go to his matchups. He loves having a 6'5 receiver on one side, a 6'4 receiver on the other side, and he's going to put some balls up in the air, I think, uh, and give his playmakers an opportunity to make plays. And uh, he does love the fact that Shadour Sanders is one of the smartest freshmen in the country uh, for him to, you know, diagnose uh, teams pre-snap. So I, I really like Jackson State. If they can get to 24 points, I think that's more than enough because this defense is one of the more historic defenses that Jackson State has ever seen. They will definitely be in the top three statistically in terms of keeping teams off the board. Uh, they're only giving up like 13.8 points per game. Like I said, Texas Southern is the only team that has scored 21 points on them all season. They've only given up 16 touchdowns. 14 field goals. So it's going to be hard for, I think, Prairie View to consistently score the football. So I, I like Jackson State to at least put up 35 points in this game and hold Prairie View uh, to around 14 uh, or 17 okay. points. So I'm looking at maybe a 35-17. Okay. Well, hey, uh, that's uh, that's very interesting, and we'll have to see how that uh, pans out. But how do you think the, the home field advantage will play? Because, again, this is a national audience. I think people are going to be blown away by seeing close to 60,000 people in that stadium. Uh, what do you think that home field advantage will do uh, for Jackson State in the SWAC championship? I think it's going to be huge because this is a team where energy creates synergy. Okay. Energy creates synergy. I've watched it all season with them that one good play begets uh, three or four other good, really good plays. And to have that 12th man, for uh, Jackson to be able to put uh, close to 55,000, 60,000 people in the stands, that's going to be huge in this game. And the defense really feeds off of it. So I, that's why I'm really looking at uh, Jackson State creating a couple of turnovers. And like I said, that energy, having fun on the field, it creates synergy. And I think that's where uh, you have to take a look at what might happen within the game. That If they can get a couple of good plays early, uh, it, it just creates this snowball effect. I've watched it all season well, hey, man, before I let you get out of here, I want to commend you and Dr. Cavill, Kenyatta Cavill, for really you guys were, were covering HBCUs in an unprecedented way before all of this excitement that has hit the conference. I mean, this has been the most exciting time in my almost 30 years of covering the SWAC. But you guys were there week in and week out for all HBCUs uh, throughout the years. So I really want to commend you guys because you guys were SWAC and HBCU before HBCUs were, were cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> you guys did the thing. You've been doing the thing and been dedicated to really illuminating black college sports and, and specifically black college football for many, many years. So uh, can you tell me how can folks hear you and uh, – here, Dr. Cavill, you do your thing. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, you can catch us every week streaming live on the Black College Sports Network, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central. Uh, we also do a bonus uh, coverage on Sundays, uh, kind of recapping the games from Saturday uh, at 9 a.m. Central Time on the Black College Sports Network, which can be seen on all social media outlets, uh, be it Facebook, uh, Twitter and YouTube. And, and and of course, I do my thing here with the pregame show, T-H-E-E pregame show with Jackson State. We cover Jackson State football approximately two hours prior to kickoff where we go through the matchups with whomever Jackson State is playing, of course, with my partner, uh, Chris Neely. Uh, but uh, we try to bring you uh, everything that you want to hear and see with regards to Jackson State football. And Devin, I have to thank you guys, you and Chatterbox, man, for everything that you've done for me in my career and giving me an opportunity 
to be on the sideline to cover uh, exciting Texas Southern football and, and giving me this opportunity for other people to see me and to do what I love doing, which is talk uh, HBCU football, black college football, and this year, talking a little bit of Jackson State football. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. It's a fun time uh, for the Jackson. I'm excited for Jackson. I'm excited for the entire swag and HBCUs everywhere, man. And you did a great job with us. And uh, whenever you're ready to enter the transfer portal, you know, hey, Chatterbox and I'll be on the horn trying to recruit you. No doubt. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Devin. <laughs> For past episodes or more content, go to wadeswordproductions.com. I want to thank Charles for joining us and getting us geared up because, you know what, I really am excited about this. And I know a lot of folks probably are not really familiar with the swag and how the season went, but that sort of information will get you geared up for the swag championship game that will air on ESPN2. But it's fun, and I think it's a beginning of a movement that we'll see for years to come as it pertains to HBCU football. Uh, you guys have read the headlines. You know, even if you're watching big-time uh, Power 5 college football, the significance of uh, successful HBCU football will reverberate not only throughout the sports world, but it will help these institutions around the country and get them a higher profile and really enhance what they do on the educational side as well as on the sports side so with that going to take time out we're not done got king t coming up terrence harris and also on the mind award this is the sports talk with devin wade podcast anywhere you get your podcast sports talk with devin wade wants to thank our sponsor kofi bankus and cobank homes the vision at cobank homes is simple and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832 757 7950. That's 832-757-7950. Cobank Homes through Keller Williams. Welcome back, and that is music uh, on the mix. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, doing his thing. Check him out on SoundCloud, on IG, on Instagram, and around the city of Houston. He's uh, he's coming up. He's the parties are getting bigger and better, and he'll be a household name before you know it. And he uh, is doing.
doing his thing here for us. So we certainly appreciate that. Before I get into my conversation with King T, Terrence Harris, want to mention a couple of things. I want to talk about U of H, Cincinnati, and the Final Four. Now... I was kind of root, you know, I always root for just mass destruction down the stretch when it comes to these teams that they they really want to be in the, the college football playoffs. So, you know, they always want Alabama. I was hoping Alabama would have lost to Auburn. Not because I just had this thing against Alabama. I just didn't. I just wanted to make sure Cincinnati was in it. Then what do you do? Uh, then you have a situation where if they beat Georgia, then is it Oklahoma State? Who's gonna? Is it Baylor? Who is it? I mean, Cincinnati definitely has to be in. I want. I'm glad Ohio State lost. Is it Michigan? What are we gonna have here? I don't know. But we have a, a of course the Big Ten championship, and that is going to be Michigan and Iowa and the SEC championship. Georgia, if Georgia doesn't win it this year, they're just never going to beat Nick Saban. They're just they're never going to do it. This is the first time since 2015 Alabama's been an underdog. As far as U of H, have a tough time with this. 11-1, they can't even sniff the playoffs. So do you kind of root for Cincinnati to win this one so they can get in the playoffs? Nah, I got a root for U of H. So, but I, I can't lose either way because I wouldn't mind seeing Cincinnati in. But you got to root for the Cougs. Go Cougs. Hope they can pull it off. Go 12-1 and one on the season. It won't garner them a playoff spot. But it will, I, I'm sure, increase uh, the quality of bowl that they go to, I think. Right? There you have that. Uh, the other thing, I have a confession to make. So one of the reasons why I haven't been I, I, on as much I have had an ailing dog. My guy, Shucks, has been under the weather. And I spent a lot of money on Shucks. And I have transformed into one of those people. And you said, well, what are you talking about, one of those people? I now cook my dog's meals every day or every other day. I mean, every day they eat homemade food that I make. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm partly embarrassed by this, but at the same time, I'm proud of myself for sacrificing so much. I feel like a mother of two or a father of two. I mean, I want to just put the gender role of cooking or preparing a meal on women because in my household, growing up, both parents cooked. So, yeah, I feel like I'm, um, you know, I feel like a parent, very parental. Making sure that I make dinner, fresh dinner, every night, every other night. And, you know, I have to, to make sure I have it refrigerated and I have to, I have a system now. And again, it's, it's ground turkey, it's brown rice, it's kale, zucchini, carrot, sometimes green beans, and a little bit of turmeric in it, a little bit of pepper. I'm telling you, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm doing, and a couple of eggs. So I'm telling you, man. I'm doing it, and I recommend it for anybody who loves your fur babies. If you have an animal that you love, that's the way to go. It's not easy. You got to plan for it. But it, it's not bad. It's not bad. Love my boys. Shucks. Love Shucks. Need him to get well. Hey, he's on the men. Let's see if we can get all the way back to 100% health. So with that, let's get into our conversation with one of the staples of this show. Guy you can count on to bring some hot takes each and every time. King T. Terrence Harris.
Our guy King T is aboard again. First and foremost, good afternoon. How are you? Man, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great getting over this Thanksgiving holiday and, and all that good food, everything that Miles came in and cooked. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing better. Well, I'm good. Uh, well, that's awesome. Uh, a lot going on in the world of sports that we hadn't had a chance to talk about in a while. And in the NFL, I mean, I can't figure it out. What do we know for certain about the NFL at this point? Man, everything's still up in the air. You can't look at the NFL right now and tell and reasonably say this team is a Super Bowl team or that team is a Super Bowl team. Right now, I think you know it's it's a whole bunch of it's a whole bunch of them, and everybody's beating up on everybody. And then you've had, and I don't know if you if I've ever seen this before, and I don't know if you have, but it's been so many injuries to significant players, and I think that's also been a game changer as well. I mean. I'm sitting there right now, and I'm I'm, I'm almost depressed, and and, and, I'm, and I say that facetiously. Looking at at the Patriots, I'm like, no, I was counting on them being out of this for at least a good five years or so. And you're looking at this kid, and you're looking at Belichick and saying, dang it, this dude might be be in a, in a position to do it again. Yeah, and I mean, you look at Mac Jones, and and my whole thing with that is. I thought, man, they really could have made a run if they would have kept Cam. This, this was going into the season because I'm like, you're going to go with a rookie because you knew New England had all of those guys coming back from on the defensive side of the football. Then on top of that, you get rid of Gilmore. So you, you're doing all this defensively, and you still are rolling. So it, he, I'm telling you, he's the best to ever do it. I, I don't, I'm not a big yeah. Belichick fan, but he's the best to ever do it, and they he, may make a run. He really is. I mean, and I think what he did, though, people got to look, you know, quietness is kept. They spent more money in free agency last offseason than they ever had before. Yeah. And, 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 and so they put enough players around that kid to, you know, to position him to be able to, you know, to, to be able to manage the game. And that's what he's doing. I mean, you, know, you don't have to be spectacular, manage the game make the throws that are there, you know, put the ball in your in the hands of your playmakers and let them make plays for you. And and the formula works. And I mean, in Belichick, he, he, you know, like you say, he's, he is, I, I don't like him, but he is, he's the best to ever do it. Yeah. And you know what, you talked about injuries, but you know what people aren't talking about enough and it's really been affecting the games and the outcomes, but people don't talk about it. COVID is still playing a part. You have Amari Cooper who may miss his third game in a row. You've had Lamar Jackson miss a game. You've had other other guys have to go through protocol. There are going to be more guys missing this weekend. And, I, and, and all of these guys are not the big-name guys, but if you have a starting right guard or starting you know right tackle or starting outside linebacker that's out because of COVID, that has a huge impact on these games, and no one is really talking about it. Are you surprised that we're still seeing as much impact on the game from COVID? No, I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. I'm surprised we're not seeing more. I mean, and, and, and trust me, unfortunately, it's about to get worse. I mean, with this new variant that's coming on board, I mean, coming online right now. So it's going to only get worse. I mean, you know, for many, many reasons that we don't have to get into, but that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, yeah. I, I could have, I mean, I, I wouldn't have been shocked if there, if there had been more and more, you know, bigger names because that, that disease does not discriminate. So, well, we saw it get Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the yeah. NFL. And what was your take on all of that with him essentially misleading the public, if not the NFL? Apparently, not the NFL, but him misleading the public saying, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm immunized. 
<laughs> you know, just well, essentially lying to everybody, coming into the press room, violating the protocols, because, you know, if you're not vaccinated, you're supposed to wear a mask when going in front of the media. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that, that's that's crazy. The NFL should have, should have definitely suspended him uh, and, and, and fined him to, to no end for what he did. But, they, you know, they also maybe, you know, I think a, a, a Antonio Brown is also benefiting from that a little bit, too, because now we're hearing, you know, <laughs> that he was trying to pay people to, you know, to, to give him a to give him a pass. Uh, you know, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, you know, I mean, how can you really tr- truly trust that? And I mean, what is the NFL to say? What would they say at this point? But they trust him. I mean, because guess what? You know, they would look they would look crazy. They probably have to go back, and a whole lot of people might be in some some issues uh, and protocols if if they had, had went ahead and came down hard on him. So I think the NFL kind of their hands were sort of tied in this. I mean, I don't necessarily trust them, and and I don't trust that he he actually got the vaccine because this dude was seriously trying to get somebody to you know to do it for him. Well, uh, yeah, so. like I said, I, I mean, yeah, you hear conflicting reports that he was being extorted and all. I don't know. He, he's just a complicated figure, that dude. Always, <laughs> but a Always. great, he's, great player. He's a former, he's a former Steeler, so you know, you just never know with them guys. <laughs> man. So speaking of the AFC North, I mean, your Browns. What what's going on with your Browns, man? I mean, can you can you believe in them? Can you not believe in them? I'm talking about. I mean, give me an objective kind of perspective. You know. Here, 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 here it is. Here, here, here it is. Take the fan stuff out of it. Right now, it, it it doesn't look good. You know, you you look at Baker and you and and I I think his his career in Cleveland is probably coming to a fast end because the Browns at the end of the season got to make a decision about whether to pay him or not. But man, they over a just, barrel, man. What think, do you do? I mean, because I, what, I what do you do think, at I, quarterback? I don't, think, I, don't think the, I don't think the body of work. Is there to, to to you know to to substantiate or, or or justify paying this guy? So you you and if you can't give him a max deal, you gotta let him go. You can't you can't look at him and say, well, you know, we really only see you as a fifteen million dollar a year type quarterback. You can't do that, even though that's that's what he'll get on the on the open market at the most. But you know, you if you call him your franchise quarterback, it almost dictates that you have to get this guy max deal, and you just can't. I also think that, you know, we got to start looking at Stefanski, I mean, a little bit, too, because the Browns were set up to do so much better this year than, than, than what they're doing, clearly. And and I think a lot of it has to do with coaching. It has to do with play calling. I mean, putting your players in the best situation to have success. And I, well, to they defend, have not done that. Yeah, to defend but, the team a little bit. You know, you have been without Kareem Hunt. You did go without Nick Chubb. That was, a, you know, a situation. You know, so you've had and then the whole Eldale Beckham thing. So it's not it's been just a you know everything hadn't been there and it just falling apart. And, but and every but, but every every team in this league has I, mean, I I don't I can't think of a team in this league right now that's doing well that hasn't had some adversity. That's part of football. I mean, and so you still have to win you know win within that. I mean, and, and you still got to make smart moves and 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 make make wise decisions, and I don't see that happening a lot right now for whatever reason. But all of that being said, you know, these last five games, I mean, like the Browns, they get this week off. Hopefully you get Baker healthy because he's been hurt, and that's been a big part of the issue as well. Is, you know, this, is this guy really healthy enough to be out there? And especially when you got a guy like Case Keenum, who's a you know Houston kid, who, I mean, who knows this offense like the back of his hand. He almost, you know, went to a Super Bowl. 
with this offense, you know, quarterback in this offense up in Minnesota. And why you don't, you know, turn to this kid and give him a give him a shot is beyond a lot of people's, you know, imagination right now. But you give you give Baker a chance to get healthy this week. Uh, you know, they, these guys get a week off and you get re-energized, and now you get you get ready to come back out there and, and finish off these five games. And a six and six is still in front of them. Yeah, I mean, believe it, it. As crazy as it sounds, I mean, because they play the Ravens pretty well. We just offensively just couldn't get over that hump. And if, if we had been over that hump offensively and just gotten a little bit from the offense, they would have won because defense played well. They they defended Lamar Jackson textbook. I mean, and, four and, and they can throw. Yeah, four, huh? four turnovers. Four times. Yeah, 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 four turnovers. Yeah. So what? Well, I mean, you, so you think that they can still make a run at it? Maybe a run would, at. Well, it I mean, wouldn't shock me because I mean, nobody in the NFC North scares should scare anybody. I mean, Pittsburgh, heck no. Cincinnati has played better, but they've already beaten Cincinnati. You need to beat the Ravens, though. You need to beat the Ravens when you come back because basically they have the Ravens back to back games. You know, so after they get out of the break, they'll play the Ravens again. And so, you know, they just got to they gotta take care of business. And, I mean, and, and they could be right there. I mean, as, as, as bad as things have been, it's not it's not completely, you know, over at this point. So, Well, that being said, you, you mentioned Cincinnati. What do you think of Cincinnati? Oh, I like them. <laughs> I think that, wow. But see, this is what happens when you pick the right quarterback. When you pick the right quarterback, and they did in Joe Burrow, it, it, it can all of a sudden just turn your franchise around. And I think that, you know, Cincinnati is for real. I mean, they are here. I wouldn't necessarily be betting against them. You know, I mean, they, they could do it. I so, mean, they, they uh, could, they uh, <laughs> pardon? Are the Steelers dead, man? Let me ask you. You like this, the, 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 the Bengals, but are the Steelers actually dead oh, the, this time? The, the, yeah, stick a fork in the, in the Steelers. I mean, it's. They got this offseason, they're going to have to have them make a hard decision and probably say goodbye to Big Ben. I mean, Big Ben is done and it's time to move on. I mean, and so I believe uh, everybody's kind of probably aware of that. Uh, you know, you, you, you rode that guy. He's had a fantastic career. Can't knock him. I mean, but at this point in the game, he's just not there anymore. So. Uh, yeah, he you know, looked really he, bad Sunday. I mean, just yeah, he did. and I'm like, but you know, every time you think they're gonna they're done, they run off three or four straight. I mean, nah, so it is different this time. Though, <laughs> man. I mean, it's, it's 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 totally different. I think you know, late, late last season after they had that magical run of uh, I think where they went like their first eleven games or so, right last season and, and then all of a sudden fell apart at the, at the end. And I think that was kind of the beginning of the end for, for Big Ben. I mean, you know, they put so much into winning those stringer games going into it. And I think, it, you know, at, at some point he hit that wall and, and, and hit reality. So I want to head south from the AFC North to the AFC South, and not so much about the Texans because I could almost couldn't care less about the Texans. But you look at a team like Tennessee that seem to be on top of the world, and then you lose. You talk about injuries. You have the ultimate injury and in losing a guy that was on his way to being the MVP in this league, Derrick Henry. Uh, what do you think about them moving forward and about the Indianapolis Colts? Well, I mean, I think, you know, Couple things. The Colts need to quit throwing the football so much if they have any, if they want to have any chance of you know ha having success in the playoffs. I mean, you got a quality running back, use them. And the the Titans were. I mean, they just had so many so many injuries. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to see 
really see them getting up off the mat again and, and, and really being able to do anything real. But well, I see, mean, here's you know, the thing about Sunday's game, and everybody's saying, oh, the Patriots were amazing. But you didn't have, of course, you didn't have Derrick Henry. You didn't have A.J. Brown. You didn't have Julio Jones. You didn't have a couple other guys that were important to their success. And, and you know, I mean, like you said, uh, injuries are a part of it, but it wasn't like they beat a fully stocked. I mean, even without Derrick Henry, if you don't have A.J. Brown, your, your number one receiver, and then you don't have a, a guy that's going to be a Hall of Famer in Julio Jones, I mean, what do you, you know, how can you beat this team, you know, with some tight ends? <laughs> you know what I mean? With first. Right. Yeah, so. Well, that, that's how the Browns are trying to win games with, with a three tight end offense. But, I mean, I think that, you know, they've been given a raw deal, no no doubt. But at the same time, that's not the coach's fault. Right. That's not, that's not the Patriots' fault. I mean, you play who's in front of you. And I think, you know, the Patriots, I mean, when you play a team like that, you need to dominate them. Right. And when you dominate them, you've done your job. So I want to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys and, and the NFC. We hadn't talked to any NFC. What what do you make of them? I mean, you lose on Thanksgiving uh, to the Raiders in uh, three straight games. It looks like three straight games where you won't have Amari Cooper because of COVID. And then, I mean, you get you get a chance to get well Thursday night against the, the Saints. But what, what do you think is going to happen in that AFC, uh, NFC East? I don't know because guess what? The Washington football team looks pretty decent. You know, Philadelphia is scrappy. You know, the only the only team in in in, in the in the NFC East that ain't you know, upholding their end of the bargain is, is are, are the Giants. I mean, other than that, it's it's one of those you know they, they'll fight it to the end. But at the same time, I just don't believe in the Cowboys. We watch this crap every year. People get excited <laughs> at the beginning of the year because they come out they come out you know looking like gold, and then they they tarnish. Before it's all said and done, I mean, for whatever reason, uh, you know, because there's more glitz than it is some substance. And, yeah. and part of the problem, Jerry spends so much money on his front on his front line players. These guys have no depth whatsoever. So when they hit, when they face injuries, they can't get up from that because the next guy up is horrible. <laughs> you know, chances are if he wasn't with the with, with the with the Cowboys, he wouldn't be in the league. Well, maybe he don't have any. Yeah, he don't have any guy, any second string guys who could go anywhere else and compete for starting jobs. Not on the, not on the defensive side. Yeah, I mean, no, not on the defensive sh- side. Right. Yeah, now, now that running back, Pollard. Yeah. Yeah. Now Pollard. Yeah, he's special. I mean, and he he's giving them something. But you know, they the, the but defensively they just the injuries and 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 just not ha- not being able to you know rely on your backups is exposing them. Yeah, man, it, it's uh, it's something to watch. It's, I mean, there are very uh, a number of very interesting storylines. I, I don't know. It, overall, just the last final question on the NFL: Is all of this stuff good for the NFL, or do you need those one or two teams that are that look like Super Bowl favorites? Like we can pencil these guys in in December. I mean, what do you? What is this no, overall? I think, good? I think this is great for the league. I mean, this is what you want. You're almost at the end of the season. And you still got a whole bunch of teams who could end up in the Super Bowl. And, and so that has to be good for, you know, for, for, for viewership. I mean, fans got to be be excited about, you know, everybody can still pretty much be excited about their teams for the most part. I mean, which is great. Uh, and so it, it, it has to be a win for the league. I want to shift gears here and let's talk about another huge football game 
on the college level, and I'm talking about uh, for uh, when you talk about HBCUs, you're talking about the SWAG, the SWAG championship. That's a, a with teams that both of us follow very closely. Uh, I've called games against Prairie View and Jackson State this year, so I've seen both of those teams up close. You've done a lot of writing on Prairie View and Texas Southern. What are your thoughts on the championship game on Saturday? I think it's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be one of those classic kind of games. I think it's gonna, you know, you got two offenses that can that can really put up some points. Uh, Deion's son has has been everything that he he's pretty much steady is. Jawan Pass has been he's been steady. I mean, this guy, you can see. I see when I look at him, I see a guy that you know that's that's a legit starter and and at a, at a power five school. I mean, that's that's what he is, and he plays that way. Unfortunately. He doesn't always have a talent around him that I think he's used to, and so it doesn't always translate. But I think this game itself is going to be exciting. I think we're going to have two great offenses. You got two teams that also play pretty decent defense, and I, I think you know it's going to be one of those where it's going to be super exciting. I just hope that the the Panthers, the Prairie Panthers, can get over basically playing a championship game, you know, in enemy territory. I mean. Yeah, and you know, that, that, I think that that's going to be a rough ask for them. Uh, you know, the stadium's going to be sold out, and, and I think you know it'll obviously be far more Tiger supporters than than there's going to be uh, Prairie View supporters, and that's that's an understatement, right? You know, to be honest with you, I mean it's it's probably going to be ridiculous, and so they have to be able to with, withstand that and, and stay focused. But if they can do that, I mean, I I would not be shocked to see Prairie View win this. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And what the world is going to see that not many people have seen, and I've seen this in person, a stadium filled with 55,000 black people. (laughs) You know what I mean? I saw back in the 90s when Jackson State played Southern, they were number one and number two in black college football. And they had 55,000 and and thousands more that could have crammed in if they would have tried to make room for them. I mean, it's a a beautiful sight to see that kind of turnout. And I think that that is the best thing about uh, having it at Jackson. It's such a huge stadium veterans memorial. And for that to be packed, I think it's going to be a tremendous atmosphere for college football, for black college football, for sure. So it's going to be a great game. Give me your prediction on that game. You say you wouldn't be surprised if Prairie wins, but give me give me your prediction. Let's get you on record. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to jump on out there, and I'm going to say, you know, we're going to see something like a 35 to 28 type game. Okay. And I think it's going to be Prairie View. Okay. You're picking an upset. Yeah, oh, all right. It, oh, for sure. Well, that's awesome, man. What have you been writing about these days? Uh, I mean, like I said, I mean, I've, I've gone heavy on, you know, I've I found that this run that Prairie View's been on has been exciting. It's been something that they haven't done since 2009. And so, I've, you know, I've, I've hit them quite heavy. I mean, we have a story coming up this week on uh, on their safety, Drake Cheatham, who's, um, you know, he's a little guy, but he's, you know, lead them in tackles. Uh, you know, he's leading. You know, leading the the, the, the league in interceptions. Uh, you know, he he's a, he's a player, man. I mean, this dude really is. And so, um, it was good. You know, getting a chance to talk with him and getting his views on the season. Uh, obviously, he's he was a little upset. You know, because they they did end the regular season on a three game slide, but whoever that AD was that that made the decision to um play Texas A&M, you know, <laughs> this late in the season. Yeah. 
you know, again, I, I never, you, you never go for that. You tell them no, keep it moving because see that that's the SEC for you because the SEC to satisfy their TV partners, they play each other so early and they still got to get those non-conference games in later. And I think and, they like to do that to prepare for the, you know the, down, down the stretch the last couple of weeks. And I think because I mean all of their schools do that, right? All of their schools well, play no, but, like but, a, but, a, a but, the, but, it's, it, but it comes down to. At the beginning of the season, if you pay attention, you know you you see what the SEC likes to do. They like to they like to put marquee games on early, early in the year. Whereas you know you, a lot of a lot of you know conferences wait that they they play those games later in the year, but they you know they like to come out the box. And I think that's because of all of the money these their TV partners are paying them. They want good games. They don't want no trash games on early in the season. So you know, but you still got to play those games at some point those money games and and them needed a game and I'm sure they you know they probably tossed Prairie View up with seven hundred thousand dollars or so which I'm sure the Prairie View could use but it's it's bad timing. I mean and, and to play that game when you did that was tough on that program because psychologically, you know, if not even physically you know, it just—it's just not good for your players at this time of the year. Yeah, and I, I talked to someone on the coaching staff, and uh, basically, you know, they got their starters out of there at halftime. And they're like, "Look, we rested yeah. up for Valley," and I'm surprised that they maybe they just had a hangover from clinching the West because they didn't need the game against Valley, but you still would have liked to have beaten Valley you should, yeah, you, going yeah, you into the championship you. game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I and it just felt like they—I went to that game. And it just looked like they weren't focused. I mean, you know, they were just kind of out there. And then at the end, they made a couple plays. And, and when you know, they had a chance to win it at the end, but couldn't come through. But, um, you know, they, they just weren't they weren't focused. I mean, I think if they had gone into that game needing it, I think that you would have seen a whole different type of focus. Yeah, I would imagine so. So, well, like I said, there's so much we could talk about, and and next time I'm going to ask you about the the John Wall Houston Rockets saga, and maybe we'll know <laughs> where Carlos Correa is going, and maybe and then by then we'll know uh, just about who's going to the well, we'll know who's going to the the playoffs and college football. So a, a lot to get into down the road, and we certainly look forward to talking to you real soon. For sure, man. I'm looking forward to it too. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. Want to thank our guy King T, as always. Uh, but there are a couple of things that have transpired since that conversation, and that leads us right into our Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, someone in or around the world of sports we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, it's a familiar name. And he's been in the news, and we conversed about him with uh, Terrence and talking about Antonio Brown. So Antonio Brown misled the NFL. Now he's been suspended for three games. It all started because apparently he didn't want to pay his chef $10,000. So I I don't know all the particulars yet, but I think uh, essentially he owed the money, didn't want to pay it. Cook said, hey, I'm going to tell. You don't want to pay me? I got you. And guess what he did? He snitched. It stirred up so much interest 
that after the NFL investigated, apparently he misled not only him, and I think a bunch of these guys are doing this, but for Antonio Brown, bro, you're hanging on on a string. Like, losing, you're hanging on a string to your NFL career with all the stuff you've done. And Brady came, and I will say this, Brady advocated for you and bailed you out. And then you want to just lie. Man, just if you don't want to take the shot, don't take the shot. But don't lie. Tell everybody so everybody knows what's what. You did not want to do that in the eyes of the NFL, and you misled them like Aaron Rodgers, who Aaron Rodgers should have had a bunch of games, but apparently they knew that he was not vaccinated. It's just the public didn't, and he violated protocols every time he spoke to the media. Whatever. Double standard on that. But that has nothing to do with Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown, because you lied about being vaccinated, apparently, allegedly, you are a big dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> now, what Antonio Brown did was worse if you believe that Aaron Rodgers notified the team and the league properly. If not, then they should have hit Aaron Rodgers. They should have hit Aaron Rodgers anyway for lying. You, I mean, just... I'm upset about how they handled that. And to me, every time I see him now, I think liar. I don't care. He can ball. But you lied and you misled people about something that was tremendously important. Tremendously important. And uh, we'll see what transpires after this. Because Antonio Brown was not the only uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer that did get suspended. So we'll have more about that in uh, the coming episodes. We'll check the headlines on that. With that... Before I let go. Before I let go. Before I let go. Hey, want to give you my prediction on the SWAG Championship game. I am taking Prairie View 24-21 in a monumental upset against Coach Prime and those Jackson State Tigers. But I hope you get an opportunity to tune in. Check us out Saturday morning on KTSU Sports Talk. We'll be talking about it then as well. I want you to remember to go to wadeswordproductions.com. I also want you to remember to give us a call. Wish Eddie well. 832-941-6614 on the Sports line hit us up on facebook and of course at wade's word on twitter but if you don't remember any of that i want you to remember these four things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye (laughs) this has been the sports talk with devin wade podcast remember you can follow him on twitter at wade's word Thank you for listening.